And I don't know about your life, but many times I have difficult days. Anybody, can I get an amen? I have difficult years, months, whatever the situation is. And there's many times that, that God calls us, God speaks to us in the most unopportune times. Have you ever been there before? Sometimes you're questioning as you're just doing life. Maybe you're in a situation and, and maybe life is not good. Maybe, uh, maybe life is good. And then all of a sudden God intervenes into that situation and it kind of rocks your world a little bit. Anybody been there before? Maybe you weren't expecting the word that God was going to give you or, or maybe you were just thinking something different. Like, God, I know you have this for me, but in all actuality, I'm kind of thinking this, all right? That's some way kind of how I live my life, unfortunately, sometimes. God, I want to know you, I want to love you, and I want you to know me, and I want you to work in and through my lives, but uh, there's times that I just got to be honest, I want to do my own thing. And this past week, we looked at Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 5, if you weren't here, and we, and we really proclaimed just three truths out of this Scripture. And this is what it says. It says, But when the right time came, God sent His Son Jesus, born of a virgin subject to the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And there was three specific truths that we, that we drew out of that. And the first thing that we said was, is Jesus came at the perfect time. It, it wasn't something where, where God was caught off guard. Like, you know, Jesus, we need to hurry and send you because look what these people have done to our creation or the situation or whatever it is. At just the right time, Jesus came into this world. And we said, not just the perfect time, but he was the perfect gift. He was the perfect gift. And not only was He the perfect gift, but He came for the perfect person or for the perfect pers- purpose. And that perfect person is you, I guess. I don't know. So, This morning we're going to be continuing this series uh, just for the next few minutes. And we're going to be looking at uh, two people's lives, just the simple life of our main characters in the Christmas story. Many of you know them by the name of who? Mary and Joseph, uh, very well known. And um, these two youngsters, uh, the, the scripture says that they were young in age. Theologians believe that they were between the ages of 15 to 18. So anybody 15 to 18 in here, all right? Only a few of you, okay? Um, you know, 15 to 18 year olds, they don't have a, a lot to uh, really worry about all the time, you know, for the most part. They're kind of out doing their thing and they're, and they're thinking about their future. Maybe it's college. Maybe they just got their driver's test done and they're getting their license soon and, and they're worried about, you know, what they're going to wear to school, you know, depress him or her or whatever the situation is. And, and I remember those days. It's been a while. It's been about three or four years ago since I was that age. Um, but I remember that and there wasn't a lot of complications to life and, and we just did life. We just enjoyed life and, and that's kind of the setting for Mary and Joseph. If you've got your Bibles, turn real quickly to Luke chapter 1 and we're going to be starting in verse 26 together. Um, and in Luke chapter 1, is, the story opens where uh, there is an angel Gabriel that comes to Mary and gives her a, a word that greatly troubles her. Anybody ever been greatly troubled maybe by a word that someone gave you? Maybe it was a phone call. Maybe it was, hey, you're terminated starting tomorrow. Get your stuff and get out of here. Whatever the situation is, it was a word that greatly troubled Mary. And so here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going we're gonna to start this together. We're going to just... Unpack it just for a few minutes together. It says this. In the sixth month, 
of Elizabeth's pregnancy. I have a hard time saying that, all right? Uh, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, for those who don't understand the story very often, all right? God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, a descendant of David. And it goes on to say the virgin's name was Mary. I want to stop there just for a second. It says that Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph. So we've got these two teenagers uh, who have pledged themselves to be married one day. Now in this culture uh, in which this is taking place, and even the culture today, more of the, the Middle Eastern culture, uh, mom and dad have a lot to say about whom you married, all right? Anybody on board with that, okay? Probably not many of you, okay? Because you've already known, like mama already has who's going to marry, and you're like, there ain't no way I'm marrying that guy, or whatever the situation is. But in that culture, and even today, mom and dad have a lot to say about whom they will marry. No pun intended, all right? And so we've got Mary and we've got Joseph, and they have pledged themselves to each other. Now, when they pledge themselves, it's somewhat of our engagement, all right? And dating is not very common in that culture, all right? Uh, they don't just kind of go on dates with different people hoping that it would work out or, or whatever the situation is. Like, like once they are pledged together, they're committing themselves for the rest of their lives. And so when they pledge themselves, they'll, they'll, the, the wife will still, I'm sorry, the woman and will still live with her parents and the man will still live with his parents. And then comes the day in which they will have the marriage in which the certificate is, is signed in which the man will give the dad all of this money and the cows and the sheep and they call it a dowry in that term. And, and that's kind of what's taking place here. We've got a young girl, all right, who's, who's getting married to this young man and you can imagine what she's thinking. I mean, she's all giddy. She's excited about what's going to take place of, of planning the wedding and all the, the fun thing, not stressful whatsoever from what I hear, but it's just all fun and, and, it's, and it's a good thing about to take place. And, and that's kind of the setting that's taking place here. And then the story goes on in verse 28. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. Have you ever had a friend or someone close to you or maybe even a spouse or a family member in which they didn't think much about themselves? Maybe, maybe, maybe they just, they were down on life or a situation and you saw more in them than what they saw themselves. And maybe God used you uh, to encourage someone and say, you know what? Maybe that person shares with you something and you're like, you know, I, I see those qualities in you or I can see how, how God would want to use you in that situation and they're not very sure. And many times God can use different people, maybe even us, to encourage someone else to be obedient to God's calling. But I love this because the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, hey, you who are highly favored, and all of a sudden she's greatly troubled of what this angel said. She's greatly troubled that this angel would say, you who are highly favored. Now, I don't know if she knew there was something else coming. 
of what's God going to expect of me or what's God going to call me to do? Or maybe she's just a 16-year-old girl and she's living her life. She's enjoying being young. She's excited about getting married. And all of a sudden, God intervenes in her life. When's the last time God intervened in your life? When is the last time you heard God come and speak to you about something? When is the last time we allowed God the time to do that? In our lives, the angel says, you are highly favored. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Verse 30, it says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You know, it's interesting as our small group has been doing this study and it was talking about kind of this same theme here of, of when a, an angel comes into the presence of someone and all through Scripture you see that maybe an angel visited this person and said this and said that and every single time it's always followed with, you know, like here I am and it's like, don't be afraid. Anybody, anybody read that before? And it always is followed because I don't know if it's the goodness or the greatness of being in the presence of an angel, that, an angel that, that came from God or, or maybe she was just fearful like, man, maybe what is this going on here? All of a sudden there's this strange person here. Do I call 911? Do I yell for help or whatever? She was greatly troubled and the angel responds, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How's that for a conversational starter? You know, like, hey, can we redo this a little bit? All right, let me introduce myself to you, Angel Gabriel. Can we sit down and talk about what you have just given me? I can see why, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I can see how Mary was so overwhelmed by what this angel is telling her because I would have been in the same predicament. I remember years ago, I've shared this story, so I'll make it brief. I remember the first time I felt like God was specifically calling me to do something. Remember that time in your life? Um, I was about 22, 23 years old. Uh, I was living in, the, uh, in West Texas in a place called Level Land, all right? And that was a great description because there were no trees and there was no, there was no slopes whatsoever. It was just as flat as can be. And I remember they had this luncheon for, uh, for some of the student athletes um, uh, during, the, during this time on Fridays, and this pastor had come in, and uh, he was kind of sharing, and I would go, and I was obviously a Christ follower and want to be a part of that and make a difference. And uh, I remember this pastor coming to me, and he was like, hey, you know, introducing ourselves. He goes, I would love for you to come and preach at my church. Um, and I was greatly troubled. I'm just going to put it there. I was greatly disturbed and greatly troubled. Have you ever got news or been asked to do something and you just want to throw up? I mean, let's just throw it the way it is, all right? I mean, you're like, uh, you're asking me to go and do this? No, thank you. 
All right. And so I was like, oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be great. And, you know, all of a sudden panic mode sets in, reality sets in. And so it was weeks to come. And that was like the worst couple of weeks of my life. You know, like, what am I going to preach about? I have no clue what I'm doing. Anybody been there before? Like, God, you're calling me to do this. You're asking me to do this. And I knew specifically that God was challenging me in this area of my life. And maybe uh, some of you don't know me very well. I'm actually a pretty introverted person. I'm the kind of person that likes to sit on the back row. Amen to you guys, okay? I'm the kind of person when there's a lot of people, I'd rather be in the corner just kind of talking to one or two people, not everyone. I'm not, I'm not the social butterfly particularly. And so this situation takes place and I am scared to death. I am. And I get up in this old country church and man, there's just a bunch of old people, thank goodness, because they couldn't hear very well. They were loving. There are a bunch of grandmas and grandpas. They're just going to love you no matter what. You know what I'm talking about? And I get up and I, and I start talking. And I remember I was, I was preaching on Moses. And I start saying some things. Like I say some pretty foolish things now, but it was really bad then. All right. I'm no practice, no nothing. And it was absolutely humiliating and embarrassing. It was terrible. Of course, the church, they're so encouraging. Oh, that was so good. Thank you for coming. And uh, my wife and I, we were, um, we were engaged at that time. And uh, she's sitting right over there. And my wife is a, I love it. She's so honest. I love it. Um, she's just honest. And I, and I, and I need that in my life. And, and she was honest. Um, yeah, um, yeah, no, no, that was not, 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 probably not your best time you've ever done before. Like, I can't believe you said some of those things on stage. Um, of course, Anyway, it didn't go very well. And I remember very specifically being so humiliated and embarrassed that I told God I will never do that again. And I, and I, was, I was serious. Seems comical now, but I was. I knew without a doubt that God was calling me. I knew that God wanted to do something more, but that was not me. It was, it was not me at all. I was embarrassed. I was a terrible public speaker. I would say things. You're like, you still do. You stutter over your words. And I think the reason I picked Moses is because I really relate to Moses' life. I want to give God all these excuses of why I can't, but God continues to pursue and just reminds us that, Brandon, it's not about you. It's not about you at all. And I can imagine Mary's feeling these same things. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this was not on her radar. This wasn't one of those things like, hey, Gabriel, you're not going to believe this, but this is exactly what I thought was going to happen to my life. No. And some of you sit here right now, and you can't believe what God has done in and through you. You never imagined that God would have you here or there or, or doing this or doing that. But some of us this morning, God is wanting to intervene in our lives, and we see it as an interruption. You see, an intervention and an interruption, all other the same thing, have completely different meanings. An intervention is coming into a situation, coming into our lives to direct us for things that are good. An interruption is just kind of a problem, like, I don't need that. I have my own plans. You're just trying to screw things up or whatever the situation is. And many times when God intervenes in our lives, I see it as an interruption because I've already got my plans. And I can imagine this, this young girl who's wrestling with this. You're highly favored. God has chosen you, Mary. You're the lucky one. I'm sure she's like, woo, no. 
She is greatly troubled. I love in verse 32 when Gabriel says he will be called the son of the Most High. Uh, She doesn't really ask what that means or why she was picked for such a high honor. Honestly, none of those ordinary concerns seem to affect her in the least. And I love her response in verse 34. It's just a real honest response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. You see, Mary is a pretty smart girl. She was topping her class. She knew science. She says, I'm a virgin. I don't need to go into details there. You guys get this. She, she's, not, she's not even really troubled about what God wants to do in her. She's like, like, like how can this physically happen? Like, God, I, I need some answers here. I don't understand. I'm confused. First of all, you say I'm highly favored, and then you're going to do the impossible. Like, I'm just thinking here, this has never happened before. I've never heard of this happening before. It's kind of like the moment when Peter walked on water. That wasn't something that had happened before. It's beyond natural things. This was a, a supernatural miracle that God is doing here. And she says, like, how is this going to happen? And then there's 35. The angel answered, well, it's pretty simple here. Let me, let me tell you. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Amazing story there, if you get a chance to read that one. Who was John the Baptist, who was foretold to be the one who would come before Jesus, who would say, prepare the way for the Lord, repent because the kingdom of God is near. This is the same John the Baptist here that her Elizabeth was going to be conceiving. And then I love verse 37. If you're one that likes to highlight or underline your Bible, I want you to do that right now. This is what it says. For no word from God will ever fail. I think you guys are asleep this one. Let me read that one more time. For no word from God will ever fail. Do you understand the power in that? For no word from God will ever fail. In the verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. <laughs> May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know, I have read and I've heard this story. So many times. We can all say, but I've heard the Christmas story so many times. And some of you are thinking, I probably could have done a very better job of sharing this than you could have, and you probably could have. But I, but I love this story as, as we stop and as we think. This is one of the greatest statements of faith in all the Bible here. And we read it so often that we forget how great it is really is. Think about it. A 16-year-old girl, she's engaged to be married to Joseph. 
having no idea what was going to take place here. And all of a sudden, an angel comes into your life. God speaks to you. And He tells you you're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. (laughs) And oh yeah, by the way, it's going to be the Son of God. And the angel responds, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will cover you like a cloud and you'll end up pregnant. That's all there is to it. What do you, what, how do you respond to that? How, how do you respond in your life when God is speaking to you and, and challenging you in a situation in your life? And maybe, maybe God's wanting to do something. Maybe God's wanting to clear some things up that you continue to, to put back there and you continue to try to live for God. But there's those things that God is, is wanting to purify in you, that God is wanting to clean up and, and to get that out so He can purify you in such a way that He wants to make you more like Jesus. What do you do when God calls you in that moment? Do you, do you see it as an intervention of God? Like, God, I see you moving and I see you working. Or do we see it as an interruption? Like, God, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to follow after you. I can't believe that you would ask me, why me? Some of us respond a lot like Moses many times in my life. God, you don't know when to use me. You don't want to use me. Find somebody else. Mary said yes. Mary said yes to God, yes to the impossible, yes to the plan of God for her life. And I love just her simple response in verse 38. May it be to me as you have said. You ever gotten word or maybe um, you got excited about something or maybe um, you won something, whatever the situation is, and it's very climactic. Your emotions were high and um, then about two weeks later, three weeks later, kind of um, reality sets in. Anybody been there before? God, like I heard you speak and I am excited and I will, I will go to the ends of the earth for you. I'm ready to move my family to Africa right now. I am so excited. I want to build a hut. We're going to do it. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing life. And we get excited about God's calling in our life. And that is awesome. We should. Because God is choosing to use us. He says, you are a royal priesthood. What 1 Peter 3 says, like, like I see more in you than you see in yourself. But what's happened in my life so many times, I get excited about doing the things of God that I miss out on God Himself. And many times my emotions get excited about following after God, but what happens when those emotions go away? What happens when reality sets in? Because we can't overlook or underestimate what it's going to cost Mary to follow after God. What it's going to cost Mary to be used by God. You see, when God asks us to be a part of His purpose and His plan about building His kingdom, it will always cost us something. You see, as reality set in for this young girl, 
She faced the disbelief of her friends. <laughs> oh, Mary, how could you expect us to believe such a bizarre story? The insulting gossip of the neighborhood. Did you hear about Mary? The whispers of infidelity. Not to mention what Joseph is going to think. See, Mary didn't Mary didn't abandon what God had called her to do. She trusted in who God is and His faithfulness and His goodness and His promise. You see, Mary didn't see this as an interruption into her life. She saw this as an intervention of her life. During this time, there was what was called a remnant of people, of the Jewish people who were, um, they were expecting Jesus to come. Remnant means small, just kind of like you're, you have a whole thing of cloth and you just tear off just a remnant. And there was a remnant of people who were faithful to the things of God and they were, they were, they were waiting with expectation to see God move in a mighty way. And I believe Mary was a part of that remnant of, of people, even at the age of 16, that she loved God with all of her heart and she was faithful to the things of God and she knew that Jesus was going to come into this world as the Messiah. She knew that and she was expecting it, but she probably wasn't expecting to be the star of the show. Amen? She probably was not expecting to God to move in that situation. How many times in our lives has we seen someone who God has called to do this and you think, how could they even enjoy that? Anybody been there before? Like God's called them to that and they are just loving life. It's like right where God has niched them and, and given them the giftedness and they are just pursuing the things of God and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And they look at your life and are like, I don't want anything to do. God has made a purpose and plan for each of our lives. He's uniquely made us and given us and made us different and all of our gifts are to honor Him. As we close... What about us? Do we see God as an interruption? Maybe for some of us, He's been trying to get your attention. Maybe for some of us, He's calling you to something. Maybe for some of us, He's calling you away from something. Do we see that as a distraction, as an interruption, or do we see that as an intervention in our lives? I want to encourage you, if you're there, maybe you're having a hard time. I want to encourage you just to seek the Lord, just to pray, just to stop and pray, just to be still and know that He is God. And that we can have a godly perspective on our situation and our circumstance and our surroundings. As I look back many times in my life, that situation that I was going through really wasn't that big of a deal. But in, when I was going through it, like it was all in. Anybody been there before? And God has just wished me, just trust me. 
Just trust me. Just trust me. And that you and I, that we would understand the providence of God, that He holds all things together and that we would trust more in His providence and His promises more than we do our emotions and our feelings and our current circumstances.